Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. So we're joined today by John Barry. I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. Uh, John is not only a great lawyer, but he's a servant to our country. Uh, and I, I really love the mesh of Patriot and uh, somebody that not only talks about uh, helping out veterans, but is actually a veteran himself and, you know, does more than just talk. He walks the walk. So, hey, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Joe, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be with you today. So, uh, John, um, just to give a little bit of a, a background for our, our listeners, J John is a lawyer in um, Nebraska, although he's not limited by Nebraska. He, he represents U.S. veterans throughout the country and has over 5,000 clients, and he is a, a fella that is, um, knows veteran law, knows how to uh, seek and obtain veteran disability benefits, and then helps the, the, these veterans who um, may have some difficult time adjusting to uh, the U.S. when they get back from these very uh, horrible war zones. And he does personal injury cases. He does criminal defense cases, all sorts of different cases to help those out. Isn't that right, John? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move this up, Joe, so I'm not looking at the ground the whole time. I don't think I had a good... Uh... Uh, this said right. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I started out, my father is the one who started the practice. My father's a Vietnam veteran, um, oh. served multiple tours in Vietnam, uh, has a famous case where he defended the commander of the 5th Special Forces uh, and, and the entire team on, on, on murder charges. He subpoenaed Nixon. The case was dismissed. But he always helped veterans. And when he came back to the United States, he was working in New York for a while. And then he ended up back in Nebraska and his, his mother got ill. And so he uh, he was going to help out the family, and he came back, and he started noticing the, all these veterans uh, that were his buddies that he was able to help with legal problems. He started knowing, noticing a common uh, theme, which is now known as PTSD. A uh, veteran who was a great guy in service, came from a you know, great family, never been in trouble before, now has several DUIs, assault charges, other things. So he, my father was a well-known trial lawyer that wanted to help veterans, and that's how our veterans practice started, and it's it's been going strong. I mean, you know, at the, uh, what was the Court of uh, Veterans Appeals back in 1996, I think it was when my father first started. And so we've been representing uh, veterans in, in courts for over two decades. And he has, of course, been representing veterans in other capacities uh, for over 50 years. Wow. So, so you basically lived and breathed this as a kid and then and growing up. So t tell us a little about your upbringing. Where, where were you raised? Were you raised in Nebraska then? Right. So I was raised in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm the oldest son. We have uh, four kids. I have an older sister and two younger brothers. Um, right now, my uh, youngest brother is our CMO. Uh, my uh, middle brother was an Air Force doctor. My youngest brother was a uh, surface warship officer in the Navy. Um, all of us got some type of ROTC scholarship. They all did better than me. My oldest brother got medical school paid for. My youngest brother got his full education. 
Stanford paid for. Uh, you know, they, they got, uh, uh, I did, I got two years of William and Mary paid for, but you know, we all, <laughs> it was, but it was a great experience for us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the real invest or the real value is the educate, the leadership training education. And of course, all the opportunities I got in my 20 plus years in the military. So tell me a little bit about when, when you were growing up, uh, were you a, a sports guy, football player, basketball player? What, what, what kind of sports were you playing? Yeah, so I did it all. You know, I mean, my dad was a college swimmer, so he wanted me to swim. I sucked. I was terrible. And, you know, <laughs> if you think about kids now, it was the same way back then where everybody played soccer, everybody played baseball, everybody played basketball. And I was, you know, average. It wasn't until we got to tackle football. Then all of a sudden it was all about being aggressive and uh you know that's where i really started to to, to do well in sports um the other thing is i had a paper out since i was 10 years old so i would do my paper out come back put my uniform on and go and go play football and i remember in the in the winter i used to go from uh doing my paper out going to wrestling practice going to swimming practice coming back like at nine o'clock at night you know i mean uh, then I quit swimming when I was pretty bad. So, but it got me in great shape. And I've always, you know, I've always, physical fitness has been important. I think I, I established a great base level as a kid. Yeah, I, I was doing a little research on you uh, before this interview and I saw you were a bodybuilder too. I mean, th th come on, man. Bodybuilder, you want to do either bodybuilding or a triathlon? You chose the bodybuilding? Yeah, well, you know, I always, I, throughout, it was interesting, throughout my whole college career, I wanted to play college football, and I always felt like I was never big enough, strong enough, or fast enough, and so I, I, I wasn't, the, you know, the years I was not at the University of Nebraska, where all my friends went, they have three national championship rings, 94, wow. 95, 97, I went to William & Mary, and I rode the bench, right, but and so I was always trying to put on weight, the interesting thing was, uh, I, I couldn't get above 220, but then I went to Army Ranger School, lost about 50 pounds, and within six Within six weeks, I was up to 230 <laughs> because you just gorge yourself as you try to recover. So I, uh, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, taking care of yourself, it's your most, your body is your most important possession. And I've always been a big proponent of physical fitness, taking care of yourself. Cause if you don't, bad things happen. And you know, that's another lesson I learned in ranger school is you make worse decisions when you don't get enough sleep, when you don't eat right that's when you really fail as a leader. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your team. So let's back up here. So you got out of college yep. and then you entered the military? Correct. Uh, correct. I had, I went to uh, College of William & Mary. I was commissioned as an infantry officer in the army in 1997. And so tell us about, maybe people don't understand what going to ranger school, I mean, you gotta get, you gotta go through a number of different levels to get to ranger school, don't you? Yeah, I mean, generally, if you're either an, an infantry officer, once you're a commissioned infantry officer, it's a foregone yeah. conclusion you're going to the school, whether you want to or not. But for an enlisted soldier, it's a little bit more difficult. They have to make it up in order of merit list or be in a ranger battalion. Um, for me, I, I saw it as I, I got injured my, my sophomore year in college playing football, um, but I, I just felt like I needed, like, I, I wanted more challenges. And I, I, was, I always knew I was going to be a lawyer, but I didn't want to go straight to law school. I, there was something more I wanted. And I was, you know, I was a paper boy. So I was very entrepreneurial in nature. Yep. Um, and I just, I just knew that I wanted, and I wanted challenges. And I thought, gee, I don't want to be a lawyer. Not yet. Right. So yeah, that's, right. that's what I did. I went to the army for a while. So you, when you got out of, out of college, then you you, you basically went right to right in. Right. So, I mean, as soon as I, 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 I was commissioned the day before I graduated 
And then my active duty started in about July of 1997. Okay, so that was pretty interesting times, wasn't it? I mean, the late 90s? It was because we had the drawdown. And then, you know, in March of 99, I was in Bosnia. Uh, I was with the 1st Cavalry Division, and we had just started bombing uh, uh, Kosovo. And so uh, we were in the Serb sector of Bosnia, so things really heated up. It went from a peacekeeping mission to a, uh, uh, where people were, you know, we were going on patrols three or four times a week to six, seven uh, patrols a week uh, to try to keep the peace. Wow. And so, so tell me about uh, what, what, what somebody has to do in ranger school. What's, what kind of physical requirements are there? I mean, people don't understand how, how tough this thing is. Right. Well, the purpose of the school is to combat, or excuse me, to simulate combat stress through depriving you of food and sleep and then hitting you with all this training and challenges. Uh, uh, so the first week, they basically try to weed you out. And so there's, there's physical fitness tests. There's a run with gear. There's runs without gear, um, combat water survival tests. Um, you know, there's a parachute jump at the end of that week and then there's a 16 mile road march and you get to phase one which is the uh darby phase as you go through there there's this huge obstacle course called the darby queen and there are these monkey bars that are about that thick and you have to throw you know wrap your wrists around them uh uh, to get through it but so there's a lot of challenges you go through three at at the time there were three phases when i went through the three phases which was the fort benning phase and then you go to the mountain phase in Dahlonega, Georgia, and then the swamp phase in Florida. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's just, a, it's about running missions at a high level when you don't have much left in the tank and leadership decisions. And I mean, yeah, it really teaches you though, you know, you make poor decisions and you, it also teaches you as a leader, you better be good at 80% because you're not always going to be at hundred percent as a leader. Right. So then, so how long were you in the military then? So I, I finished up, I finished up active duty and I went into the National Guard because they said, well, oh, you're going to law school? Great, we've got tuition assistance. And so after, and while I was in law school, uh, I was given a company command, which is a, as, as an army officer, it's a great thing. Uh, you get 133 soldiers and I thought, wow, if I'm gonna run a law firm, this is going to be a great uh, exercise in leadership and management. I'm looking forward to it. Well, about three years later, I'd been practicing law for a while and I was, you know, I, I realized that there was a little bit too much work going on. So I said, you know, I went to my commander. I said, you know, I think that now is probably the time for me to get out. I've completed my obligation and I, I really can't keep doing both. I'm working, you know, 60, 70 hours a week as a lawyer and I'm, you know, I'm a company commander. I'm putting in all this time. He said, don't worry about it. You don't have to do both anymore. Uh, your company's been alerted. You guys are going to Iraq. So I didn't have to do both anymore. And it was a welcome break from the practice of law. You know, you don't, you get out there and, and, and yeah, I mean, there's some things that are, that are obviously, that are obviously scary, but you know, Halliburton is taking care of your food and your laundry. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, there's not a lot of errands to run. You're worried about taking care of your team. And back then too, the internet uh, connect, we didn't have great internet. We didn't have great phones. So there wasn't always that obligation of calling home all the time, staying connected. You could actually just disconnect and be in the mission. And that's tough to be away from the family. But when you're involved in the very important mission and you're worried about the lives of sons and daughters, sometimes it's good to be able to just focus on the mission. And that's what I really enjoyed about my time was that, you know, day in, day out, there was a new mission and it was all about, uh, succeeding in the mission. It was about not worrying about the distractions. It was about being focused. It was about taking care of the team. And, and one of the greatest challenges was making sure that the team members stayed focused. I mean, they had stuff going back on at home. I mean, it was very tough on the spouses, 
I had a four month old daughter at the time. And so I, I knew what, you know, my soldiers were going through and I, it, it, that was one of the toughest, toughest things was, uh, uh, once they kind of heard about stuff back home was getting people refocused on the mission to, especially when you're talking about, you know, mistakes mean life and death. And so we can't, uh, we can't get unfocused here and, and we have to, we have to find a way. And, uh, you know, I, I think back to, uh, you know, a lot of the mentors that, that I had, and they were always just very supportive. And one of the areas I found it was weak was really being empathetic about sometimes, you know, when, when stuff was going on at home, because I was always just thinking about the next mission. Sure. And what, so what year did, what year were you in Iraq? So I was there in 2005, 2006. We were out in uh, Al-Assad, the Ambar province. Oh boy. And uh, so you're, you're still working for a law firm at the time, but you're on leave, right? Right. Well, fortunately, you know, my father started the firm, so uh, yeah. I was, uh, I was able to leave, but under the law protects, uh, National Guard and Reserve soldiers who deploy. And so right. even if my dad wanted to fire me, he couldn't have done it. <laughs> so when you got back from Iraq, thank God that you were uninjured, huh? Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, you know, I think everybody's, uh, you know, I think that, you know, some people fear dying. Some people fear, you know, yeah, not coming back in one piece, coming back disabled. And, uh, and I was fortunate, um, but there are several, you know, as you go through military career, you, you know, you meet people and, and those relationships generally stick forever. I mean, I, I still know people that I knew my first assignment in Fort Hood, uh, guys I went to uh, ranger school with. And, you know, a lot of those guys got injured, got banged up, and uh, some died. And it's very difficult, right, to, to, to imagine, here I am, I made it. And then this person didn't. And a lot of times you're thinking, and that guy was way more squared away than me. So it's, sure. you know, there's no real uh, fairness to it, right? Right, I get it. Yeah. So, so, so you get back in 2007. So here we are in 2020. Tell me what, tell me about that journey from 2007 to now. What, what's been going on with the Barry Law Firm? Sure. So, so yeah, I got back in 2000, yeah, about in 2006. 2007, the law pertaining to uh, veterans disability appeals changed. It allowed us to get paid to represent veterans earlier in the process. So while we were doing a lot of pro bono work before, now we really had an opportunity to grow, to grow the firm. And so when I got back, I mean, that was part of it. We wanted to help, we wanted to help more veterans, but now it's like, wow, this could actually be a viable business model where we can, instead of go, helping, you know, a few hundred veterans, we could be helping thousands of veterans. Right? How many folks were working at your firm back when you got back? Oh, gee. You know, one of the worst mistakes we made is when I left, we downsized. There was probably about 10 of us. Okay. And, and then, now uh, we're, yeah, now we're <laughs> about 68. Wow, that's great. And so, so, so for you, it's, if you have 68 people, you can serve, you serve exponentially more folks, right? Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's, I think that's the key. And people say, well, why grow an organization? Why grow a business? I think to some degree, to make a real difference, you have to reach a size before people will listen to you, right? Before that's people right. will understand your mission. And, you know, uh, a lot of people look at, you know, the, our veterans and talk about homeless veterans and the suicide issues. And, and certainly those are all problems. But the thing that people aren't talking about is that if you look at the uh, Fortune 500 companies and some of the greatest leaders right now in America, they're veterans. 
Right. Nobody's talking about that, you know? And so part of my mission is, you know, it's the next battle. And this is, uh, Joe, we talked about my book, The Next Battle. Yeah. And it's, it's not just about, you know, VA disability benefits. It's about the veterans coming back and, and, and rebuilding this country. Uh, the same way our veterans did in World War II, right? So uh, you think about what value veterans bring to, uh, you know, uh, an era where we, where we complain about millennials and no discipline and no goals, right? This is uh, the veterans that we work with are pretty much um, the opposite of that stereotype that you hear. Uh, they, these are mission-driven young men and women who want to serve their clients and serve our country. Right. Even so, though they're not, you know, even though yeah. they're not wearing the uniform anymore. So t tell me, at, at your law firm, you, you hire veterans as well, right? All the time. Any chance we get. Uh, now, we want champions. You know, I, was, uh, right. I, I, I interviewed a guy named Daniel Lark who started a company, a $100 million military apparel company called Grunt Style. And uh, I was interviewing a lawyer in San Antonio I wanted to hire. And I, I, I called over there. I said, hey, I want to meet Daniel. You know, you guys got this amazing company. And they said, yeah, come on over. So I went over there for lunch. And, and uh, first thing he did was offer me a beer. And, uh, you know, and he said, you know, but it, he said, you know, you got to be careful because in the military, you know, we have the uh, junior enlisted that never make, uh, that never make uh, uh, non-commissioned officers. And sometimes we have officers that never advance past a certain rank. And it's the same way. I mean, just because they're a veteran doesn't mean they're going to be a superstar. Right. But they have the foundation to be a superstar. The discipline, right? The discipline and we have a, a military culture so it, they become a cultural fit for us feedback is always a gift if you can't take feedback as a gift you can't work here right so tell me about tell me about that culture that, that you that you created so you know i know that you um you, you know one thing about that your firm that i really you know like i was excited about the interview was you know i interview a lot of, of lawyers um that they don't have that extra layer, which you have, which is, hey, listen, you're a veteran. You served abroad. You um, are actual ranger. I mean, you, you've got all this great background and understanding dealing with all these, these folks. Um, and then you're serving the actual people that you, you know, served with in the, in the U.S. military. Um, tell me what the folks that work with you, how do you create a cohesive unit to, to support these folks? Well, you know, we, we treat it like uh, we all know what it's like to be on a good team. If you've ever been on a championship team, you know the feeling. And so they've already been there. And Joe, I know you were athletic in your youth. You can probably think of the championship teams you played on. Uh, they know what that feels like. And they mm -hmm. know that it takes a lot of accountability and responsibility. So they buy into our core values. And one of them is warrior ethos. Another one is uh, leadership uh, by example. And so we generally, you know, we bring them back to where, where they were, where, hey, we're a highly disciplined unit. You know, we, no one is more professional than I, and I'm not going to leave a fallen comrade. Uh, we're going to take care of each other. And that, you know, that, that's the culture and that's the military culture. And so it's bringing them back to something they already know. That's great. And, and um, maybe you could tell us about um, some defining cases that you've, you've had in your career. Um, at, at the Barry Law Firm? Sure. You know, Joe, I think in our field, sometimes people get too caught up in, I'm sure, you know, people say, well, oh, well, Joe Shannon had that, you know, 
$50 million case that he won, that big trial. I mean, people know Joe Shannon as, as a winner and they see the numbers. And they think, oh, this guy's doing great things. But I think what's most important is the human stories. You know, I agree. We represented a veteran in Omaha, a Vietnam veteran who was living under a bridge, right? He was homeless. He had post-traumatic stress disorder. The VA never adjudicated his claim. Uh, we got involved. We found it. That guy got hundreds of thousands of dollars in back pay. He's able to buy a house. And then on the front end, he's getting, you know, about at the, at the time, it was about $36,000 a year. He was able to live. So this veteran who went from living under a bridge now has a house, has a family, has a wife, uh, and is extremely happy. You know, we were able to uh, change someone's life. Uh, there are all sorts of examples, but you know, one of the more touching ones was when we uh, got a veteran a, a large back pay award where he had been fighting for years. Uh, try, had handled the claim five, six years on his own, hired us. We took the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, got it remanded. Uh, about a year later, he finally got the money. And it was, it was a large sum. And the guy was crying. He said, you know, I was going to kill myself. You know, I... I, when I did some research on your firm, that's why I got so excited to do this. I looked at all the reviews and I was looking at those reviews and I was, I, I was blown away. You, you talk about, you know, the, the money, that type of the big judgments, that type of stuff. Listen, it's about the people. And one veteran, he basically had said that he had given up hope that he had tried to do it himself and he thought there was nobody out there. And, then he, for some reason, got a hold of you guys, and then you turned it all around. You got him. You got him. Uh, his disability benefits, his back pay, everything, and he completely turned around. So, I mean, if you don't believe me, ladies and gentlemen, for watching this, look at the reviews and, and um, you, you looked at it's jsberrylaw.com, right? Isn't that the uh, right? So yeah, that, that's a great distinction to bring up. So our our VA site is ptsdlawyers.com. Okay. Uh, my dad, yeah, our, our firm is jsberrylaw.com. That's our trial site. So because yeah. we do both, uh, yeah. we try to keep something completely uh, different for the veterans. And that was kind of a, that was a decision because we almost run our practice that way where we have our veteran side and then we have our trial side, which does personal injury and criminal defense, but ptsdlawyers.com. And I'll tell you, Joe, I mean, I was very skeptical. I can remember back in 2015 when online reviews were coming out and I was like, these are stupid. I'm not going to pursue these. And then I had a very good, a guy who, a phenomenal marketer came to me and he said, look, you need to wake up. You know, this is what Amazon's going to do. He said, but how else are you going to tell your story through your client? He's like, you can get, get testimonials, but if you get reviews, you know, ask your clients, and go to your clients when you meet with them during that initial meeting, sit down and say, look, we intend to provide you with five-star service. And at any point we don't, you let us know and we'll take care of it. And opening up that dialogue got me a lot of calls at first because uh, the VA is very slow to process decisions. And unfortunately, there's very little we can do as lawyers to handle that. Um, but, you know, we would sometimes get dinged for the VA not processing the claim in time. And, you know, the clients would be mad at us. You know, there's an appeal. The VA hasn't responded in six months. It's been a year. We still don't have a decision. My lawyer sucks, right? And so yeah, right. I get we were it. seeing that. But then we had all these grateful clients. And the thing, my biggest concern at the time was, I don't want my team to get all down because of, you know, because they're like, well, what can we do about this? And we did some things to speed up claims and, and we tried a lot of things, but ultimately it was, you know, I felt like my team was getting beat up. So I said, you know, 
we need to we need to dig the good in this. And the good is we know we've got a lot of great stories. I mean, people were always sending us thank you letters and other things. I said, we need to get this out to the public and we need to get it out to the team. So now anytime that we get a five-star review, uh, we share it with the entire team. There's a mass email that goes to the entire team. Hey, congratulations, uh, Seth Chambers. Uh, you know, you did this or congratulations, because sometimes, you know, a lot of times you think it's just the attorneys, but we've had staff members who have gone above and beyond, you know, so sometimes what'll happen is, you know, whether it's a five-star review or just a, an email that I'll get from somebody, like I said, that'll say, hey, one of your non-attorneys did this for me and I'm really grateful, you know, so yeah, it's- and, Yeah, they're team members, right? And, and, and you know what, as you, as a military guy, you know that the uh, Every person on that team, I mean, you, you're, you're as good as your weakest link, right? That's right. And, but, you know, you got to share the wins too. I mean, you sure. know, trust me, we are very critical. We're very, you know, we, you know, we, uh, like I said, feedback is a gift and sometimes it hurts. But, uh, but when we win, it's, and I didn't get that because, you know, Joe, I'm kind of like you. I'm, hey, I just want to win. And if I lose, hey, I lose, but I'm in this, I'm in this to win every time when I win, I don't sit there and celebrate. You know, I don't do, I don't spike the football. It's on sure. to the next fight, the next battle. And sometimes as a leader, you have to realize that your team needs to hear that praise as well. And I was very bad at that until we started sharing the good reviews and sharing the good emails and letters from our clients with the rest of the team. That's great. And so um, PTSDlaw.com, I want to spread that lawyers.com. I don't want to send you to a okay. competitor. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Let's get that right because, you know, I'm fallible here. PTSDlawyers.com, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so so now you got 5,000 uh, clients. I want you to have 50,000 clients because if there's one veteran in America uh, or serving or, or abroad or whatever that has PTSD and hasn't uh, got the, the, the to claim filed with the VA right and hasn't that appeal right, they got to call you and figure out how to do that. And so if they Google John Barry veteran, will they get to you too? They should, or yeah, Barry Law Firm. Yeah, they, they will find us. And Joe, yeah, one of the reasons why we have such a high number too is we represent veterans and other things too. Catastrophic injuries, criminal defense, uh, court martials. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we have, uh, you know, we want to help veterans. Um, like I said, you, you have to decide in your life who you want to be a hero to because you can't be a hero to everyone. And I know you're very involved in your community, in your church, in your city. But for us, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the veterans and uh, that's who we want to be a hero to. And we want to help them appeal their VA disability claims when they're unfairly denied. But we also want to help them with other legal problems such as criminal problems or when they are catastrophically injured. Uh, you know, in Nebraska, if they're in, if they're in Illinois, we're sending them to the best. We're sending them to you, Joe. That's good. So, so, um, but for the, for the, uh, the PSD, PTSD uh, benefits and the, and the VA benefits, you can represent people throughout the country, right? That's right. Uh, so we can represent veterans in all 50 states. And we do, we have all veterans in all states and territories. Um, you know, this, it really took off when we had hundreds of clients. Uh, it was all referral, word of mouth. Um, my dad would go to the Vietnam veterans conventions. He would, uh, you know, they'd all get together and talk. And uh, of course, you know, one group, like let's say the, uh, the people who served in, uh, uh, you know, uh, one nine cab in Vietnam, you know, then that whole group would say, Hey, he helped me. Right. Uh, I think he can help you. And so it really it was spread by word of mouth through veterans. And so, yeah, over the years, uh, you know, we've been able to help thousands of veterans and, and we hope to help thousands more because in my mind, 
you know, what we do is get veterans the disability benefits they've already earned. Absolutely. I mean, listen, we, we ask these, these folks to go into harm's way. They go there and they lay down their life and their, their, their body, everything for us. They deserve this. This, is, this isn't something that, and they've earned it. This isn't something that's a, a, a gift or anything. This is, this is basically, they earned it. And they've earned our respect. And, and so thank God that you're out there, buddy. I, I can't imagine uh, that, you know, you can't go away. Don't, don't, go, don't go away, John. So um, listen, can, can you tell some of the listeners what your, uh, some inspirational people in your life that kind of got you to where you're at? You know, I think of a guy, uh, I mean, there have been, no one gets anywhere alone, right? And so I've had great coaches. I've had great friends. I've learned a lot from subordinate leaders. Um, I think, you know, one of, I can think back to when I was in the National Guard. I was, I was about ready to actually get out. It was after my deployment. I came back. Uh, they had promoted me to major. And I was, you know, I was like, okay, look, I've got a law practice to run. I'm getting out. Um, and Colonel, uh, at the time, uh, he's a colonel now, Gary Roper said, uh, hey, uh, I want you to come uh, work at the officer candidate school and develop leaders. And so I went there as the officer candidate school company commander and uh, just fell in love with it. And then uh, I got promoted to lieutenant colonel. And as fast as I could, I came back and became the uh, battalion commander of that training organization. But what I really liked about his leadership was he would just would say, hey, John, go do this. And that was it, you know, and, and, and if he ever talked to me, he'd say, how can I help? And I mean, for a guy that is not good at having a boss, he was the best boss I could have had because he got it, right? He's like, let me give you your mission and get out of your way. If you need anything, I'm here for you. Um, mm -hmm. Let me share some wisdom with you, but go do what you do. And I think, you know, for me, I'm a self-starter. Uh, I like people who are self-starters. Just give me a mission and get out of the way. I mean, I, to me, uh, that guy, you know, he's, I said, gee, that's the kind of leader I want to be, right? Yeah. Uh, the guy who will, who will let their teammates grow and execute. Uh, a guy who always wants the A players on his team, and he's never afraid that they're going to be better than him. I mean, when I hire a lawyer, Joe, I want him to be much better than me. Sure, me too. Yeah. So let me tell us a, a few of the habits that you have that make you an effective leader of, of your firm. Well, the first thing is I'm very cognizant of uh, take, how I take care of myself. So yeah, I get up at five every morning. I work out uh, six days a week. I eat relatively healthy. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll eat a healthy breakfast and a lunch and then you know, we'll see how things go with dinner. Um, but for me, it's almost like whether I'm leading my team or when I'm in trial in a, in a criminal or civil matter, what I try to do is make sure that I am, you know, I'm, I'm like an athlete. I'm in an optimal mental and physical condition. And I believe it all plays in the same. And that's what I learned in ranger school. When your body is hurting, you're not getting good food, you're not getting enough sleep, you will make poor decisions. And so as a leader, your job is to be decisive. As a lawyer, you've got to be decisive, right? I mean, let's face it, whether you're going to object to something is a split second decision. And so if you're not performing at your optimum levels, you're doing your client, you're doing your team a disservice. So for me, it's about taking care of myself, uh, physical health, mental health. Um, you know, I, I, I'll tell you, I was horrible my first probably 15 years of practice, uh, putting everything in front of my family and definitely, you know, relationships suffered because of that. And I had that military attitude, right? It's sure. like, hey, you know what, suck it up. You know, don't, you know, mission mm -hmm. first. 
And, uh, you know, the thing is, uh, a good soldier has his house in order. And, right. uh, you know, my family, you know, early on suffered because I thought I had to be everything to everyone. And I've slowly pulled back on that. Now, I still am hard charging as ever. I just have gotten much smarter about how I spend my time, what tasks I take on, and what I delegate. You know, I, um, we're, we're uh, recording this interview during the time of this uh, unprecedented COVID epidemic. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, uh, you know, our team has been working really hard during this time just to make sure that uh, we, we didn't want to lay off anybody. We, we wanted to, to, to sharpen, uh, sharpen our knives and, and basically get, get ready for the next, next step. And I, I tuned into social media and I see John Barry and he's got lined up along this wall, all these backpacks. And I'm going, what the hell is he doing now? Tell the listeners a little bit about what you did. So in the military, we had our bug out bags, right? So if you're going to go on a last minute mission, you had to have about 24 hours of food, ammunition, water, whatever. And you didn't always want to stuff it all in your big rucksack, right? You just wanted your bug out bag. Uh, so if, we're, if you were going to run, get on the chopper that night, maybe you didn't have time to pack your ruck, or maybe you just had to run out from your, you know, wherever you were, you always had the bug out bag. So that's what we created. I mean, phase one was deploying our remote workforce, but then phase two is a sustainment phase. How do you sustain your team? So we knew that they were missing things like they'd been out of the office now for a few weeks. Okay. Uh, they have computers, they have all this other stuff, but they still need notepads, pens, uh, toilet paper. And then we put in <laughs> Easter candy and some other things, but it was, Hey, here's your, and it was a nice North face bag with of course our logo. And, uh, but that way they can, uh, you know, they can load their laptop into it when they come back into the office, because from time to time, think about it, Joe, uh, your remote workers are going to need to come back in the office and have your IT guy, you know, tune up their laptop, make sure all the software's in there, you know, and, and, and as much as, you know, you, people think, well, we're cloud-based and we're not going to need to do the maintenance on the machines or, you know, that's not always true. And so we developed a, you know, hey, throw it all in the backpack, bring it in. Um, and, and our IT team will fix it for you. So that was, that, was, that was the thought of that. And we thought about, you know, how can we be a hero to our team? So we delivered all those, all the Easter candy. And with the kids ones, they had special kids things. For Marine, Marines, we call them crayon eaters. They had crayons, you know, in those ones. But uh, That's awesome. But we had a great, yeah, we had, it, was a great, it was a great opportunity to reach out to the team um, and, and go to their houses and see them, um, you know. That's I, awesome. I love doing stuff like that. So tell me about the crest behind you, the, the Barry Law crest that you have. Uh, what is that? Sure. So it was actually created by a guy who uh, is a, uh, was a Marine in Iraq around the same time as I am. His wife works for us. He worked for an ad agency at the time. If you look at it, um, you can see, uh, so there are two swords, our veterans law practice, our trial practice. There's a star for excellence. And 1965, the year my father started the firm. That is awesome. That is great. Well, this has been unbelievable for me to talk to a man with a mission, John Barry. Uh, John, is there anything else you'd like to, 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 to say to the folks? I, I would just, Joe, I'd encourage you to check out the Barry Law Facebook page. We had a couple days ago, uh, we, had a, we have a, a, a woman on our team who uh, she got a letter from, um, I can't think of uh, the second lady's first name, Pence, uh, for being one of the military spouses of the year. 
and her husband was re-enlisting in what is now the Space Force. And guess what? Uh, social distancing, right? So they were going to do it via Zoom. So since nobody's in our office and we have all the branch flags in our reception area, he went in there, set up the computer just like this, and did a Zoom re-enlistment. And we got oh pictures of it. That so, is awesome. We'll have to check that thing out on Facebook for Barry Law. Yeah, so that was, that was great. But Joe, thanks so much for having me and, and thanks for all that you do for your community and your team. Uh, you're an inspiration. I love hearing what you're doing. It makes me want to do more. Part of it is because I'm very competitive, but the other part is I greatly respect you and your team and what you guys are doing. Well, thank you so much. And keep, keep up the great work for those veterans. I, you know, I, I'm just finishing up uh, my George Washington book, which I've read a couple of times from uh, Ron Chernow. And um, when he retired, uh, General Washington retired, and he thought he was just going to go back to Mount Vernon and, and just uh, hang out with Martha for a, a while. And then uh, all of a sudden he, he, he retires and then they come get him. And basically they elect him president. And he brought all these veterans back with them. And it reminded you into your law firm. You, you're basically a veteran. You came back and then you went to work even double, bringing back all these great veterans to you. I mean, he brought back, back Alexander Hamilton, which was the number two guy. He brought back uh, General Knox. He brought all these great, great veterans back. And, you know, I, I just think, you know, as being a history guy, it's so wonderful that a, that a fella in 2020 is living what I call the American dream uh, for the military. Yeah, well, it, it, you know, I think that that's it, though, right? We have to have gratitude. We have to be able to, uh, to thank, you know, to, to get to give back and to have that opportunity. And I think, you know, as I, like I said, I know, I know that you're very big into giving back to your community, but also, you know, giving back to your team and thinking back through history. You know, how is it that we're able to be in this position? I mean, I have so much gratitude right. for where we are. And I think back to Washington, and it was Washington who crossed the Delaware on Christmas Eve, to yeah. slit the throats of his enemies, right? So great respect for Washington, but also what does that tell you about the resiliency of the American people, right? We're in a tough time right now, but if there's one thing we have as Americans, it is that you know, we, get, we get through it and we're tough and, uh, and, and, we're get, and, and, and as leaders, we have to remember, remind our team of that. I mean, think of back then what it was like to survive. People were, I mean, coronavirus, uh, the, the death rate here compared to what they were dealing with back then. I mean, yeah. if you think about those soldiers in the winter and the frostbite and the, I, I mean, we are a strong people. We're a strong nation, but it, 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 we can draw some strength back on our history, back from our history where, you know, our, our nation was founded by, by people who were willing to take risks, people who were not afraid and people who wanted to take care of each other and didn't need the government to do it. John, I think you, I need to book you to come to Chicago and start giving a, a number of speeches to the high schools uh, around uh, our area and throughout the country. Uh, what, a, what a great story. What a great life of service. What a great inspiration. I, and I, I want to start getting up at the five in the morning even earlier now so I can get to work so I can keep up with John Barry. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks so much for having me, Joe. It's been a real pleasure. All take right. Care. Take care. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.